Good to be with everyone this morning. This morning we are in our sermon series that we're calling Lent Jesus Style. Last week Katrina shared um, with us about together creating something new. And this week we're back to this exploring this Lent season together. This morning we're going to be looking at the story of Peter and how he let Jesus down. We're asking ourselves, what would, it, what would Peter have felt during that time? In this Lent series, we're looking at stories where Jesus encounters people, and we're asking ourselves, what would it have been like to be there? What would we have learned? What would that experience been like? So this morning, we're putting our sh- ourselves in Peter's shoes and asking ourselves, what would that story have been like to be there? story is the story of Peter not living up to the expectations that he set for himself. Peter uh, really disappoints the people. He thinks that he really disappoints Jesus by failing him. I don't know about you, but there's a ton of times in my life where I can think back to times where I've let other people down. I think the best example of a time that I let other people down was when I was playing um, soccer my freshman year. When I was a kid, my dad and I would always go to Messiah men's soccer games. The Messiah men's soccer team is known as being the best around. They win a national championship like every other year. They're just disgustingly good. And so my dad and I would go to games and I would dream of playing in the NCAA tournament. And so I Went off and I played college soccer at Geneva. It was always pretty good. We were never, before I got there, they never made the tournament and they never won the conference championship. And so my freshman year, I get plugged in right away and I start right away at center back. Now, freshmen normally don't start center back. Center back's a really important position. One mess up and all of a sudden they're in on the keeper. You really got to know everything. And had a pretty good season, and we make the conference championship. It's the conference championship, my freshman year. If we win the conference championship, we make the NCAA tournament. Big game, really hype. Ten minutes into the second half, our team had a corner kick. So our team was all up in the offensive half, and I stayed back. The ball bounced out of the box. And I sprint forward because I'm going to make this amazing tackle to keep the ball up in our offensive third. Well, I mistimed it a little bit, and the guy was going to get past me. So I slide in, and I kind of stick up my leg a little bit, foul him. All right. Referee runs over, talks to his assistant referee, talks to him for about five seconds, runs back, goes to his back pocket, which you know is instantly not good, pulls out a red card. I was so mad. I Not only could I not play the rest of the game, but my team had to play down a man the rest of the game. I couldn't even stay on the sidelines. I had to go up to the stands since I got a straight red card. So not only was I not on the field, I wasn't with my teammates. I had to be up in the stands with everyone else. So I watched as my team, we 
they pushed it into overtime, and then we ultimately lost in penalty kicks. And so that feeling, sitting there watching them, was just, ugh. And then the days, weeks, months afterwards, you just have those flashbacks. What was I thinking? What was I doing? Why did I make that dumb decision? All of us have those flashback moments. All of us will be grocery shopping or driving or will be at work. And we'll just have flashbacks to times in our lives that we messed up. Times in our lives that we let others down. All of us know what that feeling is like. And there's that tension in that moment. Am I going to like think about this? Am I going to try to work through this? Or am I just going to push that back down? Because I don't want to deal with that right now. This morning we're going to look at the story of Peter and we're going to see how Jesus encounters Peter in this story. So we're going to start off in John chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 33. So John chapter 13, verse 33. Dear children, Jesus says, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Simon Simon Peter said, but why can't I come now, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you even know me. When I think of the story, I think of how Peter, of how Jesus predicts Peter is going to betray him, to deny that he even knows Jesus. But I think it's also important to keep in mind, Peter literally makes a promise here. Peter says, I will do anything. I will literally die for you, Jesus. I'm so all in. I'm so invested that I'm willing to die for you. Peter sets some pretty high expectations here for himself. Jesus isn't telling him here that he expects Peter to go all out. Jesus doesn't tell Peter that he should be willing to die for him here. That's what Peter says. That's the expectations that Peter puts on himself here. As we move forward to John 18, we get the accounts of the three denials. So verse 18, I mean chapter 18, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. 
Peter had to say outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, Peter said, I'm not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Moving to verse 25. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied, he denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive garden with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. Peter told Jesus that he would do anything for him. He would be willing to die to follow Jesus. But yet, he lived up to Jesus' prediction that he was going to deny him three times. Imagine would be that, what that would be like to be Peter in that moment. You denied that you knew Jesus three times. Jesus ended up dying he ended up being tortured to death on a cross. What would that be like to be Peter? I can just imagine Peter sitting at the bank of a lake. He was just fishing a little bit, fishing for his breakfast. I can just imagine Peter sitting there at the bank of a lake, just head in his hands, just so down on himself. Just thinking back, like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And in those moments where we are looking back to recent failures or recent times that we let others down, at least for me, and I guess it's probably similar for you, those are times that all of a sudden all the other little things pop back up in our head. So for Peter here, he's super down on himself, thinking about how bad he messed up, and his head's thinking back to all those other times that he messed up. He's thinking back to the time that he literally rebuked Jesus. Jesus was talking about how he's probably going to have to die, and Peter says, Jesus, why are you going to die? And Jesus literally says, get behind me, Satan. Like, what are you talking about, Peter? And Peter goes, why did I say that to Jesus? Like, that was so dumb. I rebuked Jesus. He's like having that flashback to that stupid thing he said. Or the time that he had a really dumb plan at the transfiguration. He's like, why, why did I think that I could build a house for Jesus? Like, what was I thinking? Or, like, literally a couple days ago, when Jesus was arrested, Peter pulled out a sword and cut off the servant's ear. According to John's gospel, it was Peter that did that. Peter's thinking to himself, I literally cut off a man's ear. Like, why did I do that? Did I, did I, like, what was I thinking? And that's just some of the stuff that we find in the written gospels about some of the stupid stuff Peter did. I have to imagine that was a lot of other things 
that Peter did and said with Jesus that he's probably regretting right now as he's thinking back to why he denied Jesus three times. See, Peter, I'm sure, has high expectations of himself. Jesus told Peter that you are the rock that the church is going to be built upon. And so Peter sees himself as the unofficial number two. Peter has all these expectations on himself. And he has to, he feels that he has to live up to those. For us, we place expectations on ourselves. Others place expectations on ourselves, on us. And oftentimes, the expectations that we put on ourselves is higher than the expectations that other place on us. Oftentimes, the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. And that's certainly how, certainly the dilemma that Peter's going through. Peter lived a pretty radical life. He would travel around, not carrying an extra cloak, travel from place to place. Peter was pretty well versed in living a pretty different radical life. He was probably pretty good at forgiving others. But I bet you he has a really hard time forgiving himself. And so for us, luckily, Jesus rises back from the dead, and we get to see how Jesus encounters Peter here. And there are some things that we can learn from this. There's two takeaways as we look towards John 21. First off, Jesus wants to sit with us as we bring our failures to the surface. As we're going to read this story in John 21, we're going to see that Jesus simply wants to be with us in our moment of grief and our moment of pain. Secondly, Jesus, every time, tells us that he trusts us, and Jesus, every time, releases us, saying, look, Derek, look, Peter, look, Josh. You're going to mess up, and it's okay, but I still trust you. So as we look to John 21, for time's sake, I'm going to skip down to verse 15. But one note here. Jesus, in this story, it sits down with Peter to have some breakfast. There's a lot of symbolism here. Some would say irony. Jesus sits down with Peter and they make a charcoal fire. Peter denied Jesus when, they were, when he was standing around a charcoal fire. So as Peter feels renewal, he is renewed and he is accepted back by Jesus also by a charcoal fire. Jesus and Peter simply eat breakfast together. There's no account of anything that's said during breakfast. There's no meaningful dialogue during breakfast. They're simply there together. I'd have to imagine that there's not too many words shared during breakfast. Because you're just sitting there 
eating. There's not too many words to say here. When I got my red card, after the game, we were in the locker room, and all of us were super down. Like I mentioned, center back's a really important position. You got a lot of weight on your shoulders. And there's two center backs, so there's, it's always a partnership, and you always have to work together. The other center back was a senior, and he really took me under his wing. He really helped teach me what I needed to do. He always looked out for me on the field. And so that game was his last chance to win the conference. That game was his last chance to make the, to make the NCAA tournament. And so when I got that red card, I felt that I let him down a ton. And so after the game, after the game that I got my red card, we're in the locker room. He comes over, puts his arm around me, and I don't rem really remember him saying very much. I'm sure he said, I love you. But we just sat there together, and he didn't really need to say many words. Because I knew that he cared about me. I knew that he loved me. He knew that I tried my best. And we both knew that it doesn't matter if you mess up. What matters is that we're there for each other. There weren't many words that needed to be shared in that moment. Other times that you mess up, picture when you mess up as a kid, mess up as a teen, you come home and your parents are there. Oftentimes there's not many words that need shared. It's just a hug, just looking each other in the eyes and knowing how much you care for that person. I have to imagine that that was what it was like here as Jesus and Peter eat breakfast together. The only thing that Peter's had on his mind since the moment he denied Jesus was how much of a screw-up he is. Peter's just so down on himself. And Jesus knows that he's down on himself. But in that moment, there's not a whole lot of words that probably need shared. Because Jesus, simply by being with Peter, Peter knows how much Jesus loves him. Jesus and Peter simply have to be together. There's this, when you're close to someone, there's this indescribable feeling between the two of you. No words can describe it. But just that feeling, that knowing the love and care for each other, that has more power than words a lot of times. And that's the kind of feeling here. But as we look to verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. 
you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. And Jesus told him, follow me. A couple things just to note, just questions that arise from the text. First question, what does Jesus mean when he says, do you love me more than these? From the brief looking into it that I did, looking at a couple commentaries, my best guess is that what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Jesus, I mean, he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these disciples love me? He's asking Peter, like, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? It's a little bit of a trick question. And with this line of understanding, he's asking Peter because young Peter, the Peter that hasn't gone through this transformational heart work, would have jumped out and said, yes, Jesus, of course, I love you more than anyone else in the world. He would have compared himself. But as Peter has gone through this stuff, Peter doesn't compare himself. He simply says, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, as he's going through this transformational stuff, doesn't jump out to compare himself to others. And then, like I mentioned before, this conversation was happening around a charcoal fire, which is the same thing where when Peter denies Jesus the first time, that was also around a charcoal fire. And of course, there's the three and three both times. So it really is significant. It really gives this level of completion that Peter really is reinstated, really loved by Jesus here. And then we get this last bit that Jesus tells him that he's going to die. Jesus tells Peter that Peter is going to die a martyr. And the really important thing to understand what Jesus tells him is thinking back to that John 13 passage that I read earlier. Peter promises Jesus, I'm ready to die for you, is what Peter says. Peter says, whatever happens, whatever happens, Lord, I'm ready to die for you. And Peter doesn't live up to that. But here in this John 21 passage, Jesus says, look, Peter, you're the rock that the church is built upon. You're going to do what it takes to shepherd sheep. Jesus here, here says, feed my sheep. Peter says, I'm willing to die for you back then. But Peter doesn't quite get it yet. It's not about Peter dying for Jesus. Jesus doesn't need Peter to die for him. Jesus dies, dies for the flock. That's why Jesus dies. 
Jesus doesn't die for the Father. The Father doesn't need Jesus to die. It's the flock. It's us that need Jesus to die for us. And now Peter is going to be the new de facto shepherd of the flock. Peter's not going to die for Jesus. Peter is going to die for the flock on behalf of Jesus. Jesus tells Peter, look, I trust you to be the best shepherd that you can. Since Peter has gone through this, he knows that it's not about being perfect. He knows that he's imperfect. He knows that he messes up. And we know that even after the story, Peter still messes up. In Galatians and in Acts, there's the story of how Paul has to confront Peter. Peter gets it all wrong when it comes to this dialogue about um, following the law and eating food and clean and unclean food and all of this kind of stuff. And Paul has to have some real conflict with Peter. And Peter ultimately realizes that he's wrong. So even after the story, Peter still messes up from time to time. But what Peter learns from the story is that it's not about being perfect. It's about simply loving Christ and loving others the best that he can. Peter here has to bring his hurt to the surface. Peter here has to look beneath the surface of himself and be open and honest about those failures and hurts. Be open and honest about those things underneath his surface that he doesn't want to deal with. And Peter sits with Jesus as Jesus simply comforts him, as as Jesus simply is with him. We need to set time aside for us to simply be with Jesus. We always talk about going in the wilderness to be with Jesus. Why do we talk about going in the wilderness? Because when there's a television in front of you, a laptop on your coffee table, and a cell phone in your hand, it's kind of hard to focus on Jesus when you have all those distractions. We need to set time aside where we can simply be in quiet and allow all of those random thoughts starting in our head. There's always this dialogue in our head about, well, what do I have to do for work? What do I need to get at the grocery store this week? When is the car needs oil changed? We have all those conversations in our head that we need to let filter out so we can sit and have time with Jesus. And secondly, as we are sitting with Jesus, Jesus then affirms us and he tells us that he trusts us to use our giftings to serve others and to love him. It takes that quiet space where we're simply with Jesus and then we are always reinstated back in and told that we are trusted. We're never going to get things perfect. But as Peter learned, it's not about being perfect. It's simply being humble and being willing to follow Jesus, whatever that means. As the worship band comes forward,
Peter here ultimately is told by Jesus that he's going to die a martyr's death. Now, I sure hope and believe that not many of us, if any of us here, are going to be dying a martyr's death anytime soon. But as Peter works through these hard things, he's reminded by Jesus that there's more hard things to come. Just because we work through some hard things, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's going to go back to being easy. It's a continual process to work through these hard things difficult things. Sometimes there's this false notion in Christianity. You turn on the television to watch a preacher. You read a book and people like to make Christianity out to be easy. People like to make following Jesus out to be easy. Allowing yourselves to feel what's beneath the surface is not easy. What Peter here is called to do is not easy. We are called to have this constant process where we're like trees that were trimmed. I recently trimmed my fruit trees. And if some of those fruit trees I really had to cut back, we're fruit trees and sometimes we've got to be trimmed. It's not an easy process. So I'm going to pretty unabashedly make a plug here. In April, May, we're going to be going through what we're calling the Beneath the Surface series, where we're going to be in small groups, and we're going to be asking ourselves, what's beneath the surface? Katrina or Chelsea can give a much better plug for this right now, but I'm the one tasked to do so. We're going to be asking ourselves, what hard things do we need to work through in this time? And the most difficult thing about that is that we're going to be in small groups doing this together. Because the only thing that's better than doing this by ourselves with Jesus is doing it with others. And just in our own personal times of reflection, we need to ask ourselves, what hard things are we, what hard things are you called to work through? Dear Lord, Help us to have courage to be able to work through these difficult things. Peter is a person, Peter's a man of courage. Peter is willing to do whatever it takes, so he has courage to work through these hard things. Lord, we pray for courage so that we could be emotionally vulnerable with you and so that we could be emotionally vulnerable with others. Amen.